Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. You are listening to the Zohar in 15 show. I'm thinking it's going to be a little more in 15. I'll try not to make it longer, but we got a lot to cover tonight. Thank you for joining me either live or archive. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the path to transformation. Now, we talk a lot about transforming, about becoming better versions of ourselves. We talk about different, but how do you get there? Now, the path that I'm going to suggest tonight is not one that you have to be on, or this is, these are just suggestions, some things that are kind of fundamentally true, and we can start building a foundation from there. Because I think everyone's journey is different. Everyone's belief system is different. Everybody's needs and challenges are different. Yet we have a universal God, a universal creator, who has the ability to adapt to each one of our situations. So tonight, we're going to quickly read a short verse from the Zohar, volume, prologue, portion is Bereshit A, Chapter 6, which is called Let There Be a Permanent, it's on page 83 in your English, uh, Zohar, and we're reading verse 52. There are two kinds of disputes, one, one at the beginning and one at the end. This is the path of the righteous, which is hard at the beginning, but it ends in peace. When you're studying Kabbalah as a Christian in the Jewish faith, in all the faith groups, we talk a lot about transformation. Particularly, Kabbalah addresses the concept of transforming from a selfish being to a people of endless and ruthless sharing, going from the desire to receive for self alone to the desire to receive for this, to share with others. Now, we, we talk about that because God, in his nature, is giving. And he wanted to give himself and share himself with someone, so he had to have somebody who was able to receive. And to be able to receive, he wanted there to be a desire to receive. And that's where we get the desire. And we've said on previous shows, desire in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's what you desire for and what you plan to use it. Now, this type of sharing is called transformational sharing. It's, it's almost kind of like enlightened greed because the more I'm willing to share and consider other people's feelings, consider other challenges, the more I'm willing to do things like that, the more it opens up for more light of the creator, more sharing that I can receive from God. So there's kind of the, the, the long-range benefit, which is to transform myself into somebody who cares for others for the sake of others. And at the same time, my vessel will stay full of the light of the creator. Now, when we talk about, well, how do you do this transformation? Well, first of all, there's some things you need to buy into. You got to say, okay, well, now that I understand that I need to do that, here's what I'll need to be doing. So I've got it down to about six realizations uh, that we need to work from to kind of give us this foundation of understanding. Some of these you're going to say, oh, I've heard that in my faith discipline before, and I'm sure that you have. But the first one is this. 
The world is a war of two opposite forces, darkness and light. Number one, the world is the war of two opposite forces, darkness and light. There's no standing still in the universe. There's no permanence anywhere. Time is marching on, and there's always movement inside the universe. And we're either heading towards the light, which is God, the creator, or we're heading towards the darkness, our own ego, bad decisions, the satan. And in our world, there are three particular things that we need to really watch for. It is our thoughts, our words, and our actions, which are basically the creating elements of our life. We think of something, we start to vocalize it, and then eventually it becomes an action. And this can be a very positive thing. Uh, I, I think I'm in love with this, this person. I think I'd like to share the rest of my life with them. I begin a discussion with that person. She feels that way about me. And then we have the action. Hey, let's, how could we spend the rest of our lives together? Hey, let's get married. So from thoughts to words to action. And those thoughts, words, and actions are the creating elements of our life. And with those, we choose the direction of our life. One thing that I want to say is very important is that the more we blame what's happened to us on other circumstances other than our choices. Oh, I had bad parents. I got a tough break. Um, I was, I'm the wrong sex. I'm the wrong color. I'm not smart enough. All these various things. As long as we are willing to blame those, we fall into that victim mentality, and it won't help us grow. Now, these aren't challenges. There are real challenges in all those things that I just said. But part of it is recognizing those challenges and being prepared to do something about it. Now, these two opposite forces, and they're very opposite, darkness and light, they are at war with each other. They're at war with each other. And we are constantly choosing our direction. Number two, the source of light, better known as God or the creator, is a wellspring of all joy, fulfillment, and life. The force of darkness, better known as our ego nature, is a source of our pain, our suffering, our death, or AKA also known as Satan. Ego is the state of total disconnection from God's light, and it brings complete darkness. Ego is when I feel like I am always right. Ego is when I talk down to somebody. You know, that's what that word means, a joke. Ego is that part that refuses to be taught. And by the way, if you refuse to be taught, you refuse to learn. Ego is that part that that's just basically puts our lives into a holding pattern. I already know the answers. I already know this. I've already been there. I've already done this. I've already got the T-shirt. When, in fact, the more we begin to learn about life, the less we realize we may have a T-shirt, but that T-shirt was about a particular stop we made in life. It's not going to be the next time we stop there. It'll be something different. And we navigate between these two forces, the idea of light and the idea of darkness. So remember, we understand the light to be God, the creator, and that's where joy, fulfillment, and life is at. In darkness, better known, like I said, our, our own ego working against us, that's pain, suffering, and death. You would think, you'd look at these, you'd be like, hey, there's no choice there at all. Why would I choose something like this? Why would I choose that? Well, we'll talk about that maybe in some other episodes, about why we make the decisions that we make. Now, when we're receiving for ourselves, we start that slowly veering into darkness. I want to get married because it'll be good for me. I want to take this job because it'll be good for me. You see how even things that potentially can be great can eventually become so much about the person and so much about filling their own needs that they're not filling any needs of the people around them. And it's that chaos and sickness that eventually brings on our spiritual death. There's no dusk. We're talking about light and darkness. 
students have asked me that question before. It's a great question. What if you're just kind of halfway there? You're like, you're not really in the darkness and you're not really in the light. It's like dusk. You know, you got to have the headlights on the car, but you still can see pretty good. In the spiritual universe, there's light and there's dark. There's no dusk. That's a good question. So number one, the world is at war with two opposite forces, darkness and light. Number two, the source of light, better known as God, the creator, is a wellspring of all joy, fulfillment, and life. The force of darkness, better known as the ego nature, is the source of all pain, suffering, and death. Number three, we create our lives by whatever force we choose to connect with. I want you to think about what I just said. Did you know that when we read the story of creation, it's pretty hard not to be in awe of creation. God says there are ten utterances in the creation. Let there be light. He creates a world. He creates a universe. He creates the animals. He does this by speaking. He has these creation powers. If you really think about it, in humanity, we have some creation powers too. I mean, we can get together and we can procreate. We can make little humans. We can keep our species alive. We can create jobs. We can create families. We can create all kinds of, we create chaos. <coughs> our lives are the byproduct. They're our creation, depending on how much of what force we've chose to connect with. So in large and small ways, we have the power to choose our reality. We may not be able to choose like of our life, but we have the ability to choose our reality. I was talking to a guy, a friend of mine, for years and years I knew him, and he was talking to him about his, some of the things that happened to him as he was growing up. And to just put it into a nutshell, he didn't have really nice parents, particularly the dad. He just didn't have nice parents. And a lot of not nice things happened to him. We'll just leave it at that. And as he grew older, he was so concerned with the idea of not being in that environment, he began to shape his life around the concept of never being in that position again or never putting anyone in that position again. He built a protective reality around himself to make sure that something that really couldn't happen again because now he's in his adult life never happened to him again. And as you got to meet him and you became his friend, there were these, just these weirdnesses, these, these things that he did, you just couldn't understand what these things were about. Little by little, he began working through it, working through it, kept working through it, and now he's kind of dedicated his life to helping others work through it themselves. But one time in our conversation, he said something that really caught my attention. He said he was thankful for his parents. He was thankful for how he was brought up. And I thought to myself, how in the world can somebody go through the experiences that he's gone through and be thankful for this? He went on to describe that while there was a lot of pain and suffering and difficulty during that part of his life, it gave him a perspective. It gave him a wisdom. It gave him a wellspring <coughs> excuse me, of knowledge to draw from that now he's able to help other people. And he said this. He said, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's pretty powerful. So what he did is he took a very negative situation, a very dark situation, and he transformed it into a situation where the light could be used, where light could shine. He created a different reality. So in large and small ways, obviously that's a large way, we have the power to choose our reality, to live in our place. And here's how it works. To the, to the degree that our actions, remember, we said thoughts, words, and actions. So now we're acting out. To the degree that our actions connect with God, we will experience the light and the fulfillment. To the degree that our actions connect with darkness and ego, 
will experience pain and suffering. There you have it. When we move towards the light, when we move towards God, towards the creator, we experience greater degrees of fulfillment and less pain. When we move towards our ego nature, the absence of God's light, we increase our pain and decrease our fulfillment. And these are the only choices. Now, I want to back up and notice that I said when we're moving with the light, we have greater degrees of fulfillment and less pain. I didn't say no pain. Today's Mother's Day, 2017. And as you read Facebook, you can see a lot of people, you know, happy Mother's Day. Some of the mothers, including mine, have passed on. So there's a lot of, you know, Mom, I miss you. Mom, I love you. There's other people who say, well, you know what, to all the women out there who um, aren't moms, you know, they haven't had kids yet or unable to. Then there's another segment that talk about all the moms that, that are adoptive and, and so many great things, so many different conversations, you know, that are going on. But in, as you think of Mother's Day, you have to think of some things. You think of pain in childbearing. You think of miscarriage. You think of, of adoptions. You think of people who have never had children that want to have children. And then there's some people who have lived their life and said, hey, children aren't for me. Well, this kind of holiday is not for them. And so I wonder if sometimes they're thinking, man, I wonder if I should have done. All these things are happening. There's always going to be pain, and there's always going to be suffering in life, kind of like when you go to work out, when you decide to, to lose weight. My wife is on this diet plan. She's, she's absolutely tearing it up. That's a positive thing. But she lost like 33 pounds already. But that didn't come just because she said, oh, I think I'll do this. There's been, a, there's been pain and suffering involved. But there's an exchange with that. There's an exchange that she's getting back in shape. She's getting where she wants to be. There's a, a fulfillment factor. So even if you pursue the light and you pursue it nonstop, even if you just won't surrender and you keep going, you say, I'm doing everything God asked me to do. I'm sharing ruthlessly. I'm giving of myself. I'm caring. I'm loving. But yet, I'm still aging. Yeah, that's going to happen. I got a few more pounds. Yeah, that's going to happen. I still have a bad relationship with blank or with this or with that. Those things are still going to happen. But your degree of fulfillment will be higher. You'll be more equipped to deal with those challenges. Number four, we connect to the two forces to what's called the law of similarity of form. I'll say that again. The law of similarity of form. We connect to and become what we become like. I think about that likeness. The word affinity is going to come up here in just a minute. We connect to the two forces. Number four, to the law of similarity of form. We connect to and become what we become like. Now, have you ever met somebody? I know you have. Maybe we've been that person before. But you ever met somebody? They're just never happy. You ever met somebody that all they want to do is talk bad about other people? Have you ever met somebody that no matter what their experience is, everybody else has something that they want? Everybody else is doing better. They never can just, at any point, just kind of wash their hands, dry them off, and say, man, I got it going. I, I, I got food. I got a roof. They just can't have a sense of appreciation. What's interesting is their friends will be exactly like that. I will show you one thing. I will tell you something right now. I want you to remember this quote, and I can't remember the guy who said it. But the quote goes like this. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. The law of similarity of form means that people gather around the same kind of people that are just like them. We used to have an exercise I did in the youth group, and I only did this because I wanted to embarrass the kids. It really has no meaning to it. But what we did was, well, okay, there was somewhat of a meaning. They always tried to sit in the same groups together, and I wanted to break it up. So they come in, and we had three three-by-five cards. One said duck, one said cow, one said turkey. And we'd hand these off to them. 
and every you know rotating every three different three different three. And, and then at the end we turn the lights off and all the cows had to make cow sounds all the turkeys had to make turkey sounds and whatever other one we had going at the time chickens or pigs whatever we had and so it'd be in the dark room and you oink oink and then, oh, no. and then after about two or three minutes all the turkeys were together all the cows were together all the pigs were together or however we did it and that's how i kept them from being in the same cliques all the time totally childish totally embarrassing totally worked might want to try it that's the law of similarity of form the idea was when you were in the dark and you heard the noise all the cow people migrate towards the cow, the pig people towards the pig, the chickens, turkeys, whatever we were doing that night. We actually did zebras one night, and then we realized we couldn't think of a particular sound zebras made. That wasn't that great of a night. Moving towards one of these, the darkness or the light, is going to limit the connection with the other one. So if my similarity of form is more towards the darkness, it's going to be less towards the light of the creator. And if my similarity of form is more towards the light of the creator, it's going to be left towards the darkness. Now, this may sound to you like, come on, seriously, you had to do a radio show to explain that to us? It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to live that, to understand that I'm making a choice today to be part of the light. Or I'm making a choice today to be part of the darkness, but I can't make a choice to be part of both. And according to the law of similarity of form, when essences, when essences match, I'll get on this, sorry about that, Separation ends. So the similarity of form says when two things join together in their similarity, their likenesses all become alike and their separation ends. What that means is that we can become so much like the light of the creator that there's no separation between us. We're fully connected. It means we can become so much like the darkness that we're completely disconnected to it. Our essence becomes one and the same with the one that we choose. Number five, we become like God. We become like God or have affinity with God by systematically destroying the ego because the desire to receive for self alone is the opposite of God. He does not receive from anyone. I want to make sure we're clear on that. I want to read number five again. We become like God. I'm not saying we become God or have affinity by systematically destroying the ego. Because the desire to receive for self alone is the opposite of God. He does not receive from anyone. God has no needs. He has a will to share with us and to see fulfillment and to share himself with us. And a lot of times when you're in your services, your worship services, your church, wherever you go, you hear people say, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to give this to God. We're going to give our praise to God God doesn't need it. He didn't sign on for that. He has. He cannot. Doesn't receive from anyone. He's. He shares with everyone. The world has been carefully designed by the opponent, the Satan, for the care and feeding of the ego. You ever notice that? It's not always bad, right? It's nice to hear somebody say, "Hey, you're a nice man. You're a good this." You know, at my work, every once in a while, a customer will say to me. I really appreciate you being honest with me or thank you for taking care of something. And I know it's like, hey, thanks, man. And I remember those people for that. I remember that. But eventually that can become a drug. It can become kind of its own kind of uh, obsession. The endless craving in this world for respect, vanity, praise, flattery, the ceaseless indulgence of selfish desires known as our ego, it'll never be satisfied. That's the catch of the world. 
You'll never eat enough. You'll never sleep enough. You'll never drink enough. You'll never have enough by the standards of the world. And our world has gotten so desperate for something different. Have you seen the crazy things we're willing to accept as, as even like newsworthy? There's some girl running around. I forget what her name is, but a long time ago she said something. She said something about how about that or something on some game uh, talk show, and she's like this. This is a tough person, and she tells people where to go and where to put it. She's got, like, a million dollars of contracts, and she's going to have her own reality show. How about that? And she can't even finish words in a sentence. And that's now a new celebrity for us. That's now a new, a new thing for us because respect and vanity and praise and flattery have just run wild in this world. Now, to achieve affinity or similarity of form with the creator, you must wholeheartedly move in an opposite direction of your ego. <coughs> we need to be confronting ourselves and stop making excuses for our non-godlike behavior and decisions. I'll take it even a step further. We must, in fact, fight to free ourselves from ourselves. People say, you need to be saved. I agree. But then the question comes up, well, save from what? Save from us. Save from us from my decisions, from the choices that I make in my life. Okay, we went over 15 minutes. I apologize. I'm wrapping up. Number six, we become like God, transforming into beings and sharing because God is a force of infinite sharing. The desire to receive for self alone is the opposite of God's nature. And I want to explain that transforming into a person of sharing does not mean performing an occasional act of generosity. You're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. I shared the other day, I, I bought two cheeseburgers at McDonald's and I gave one to a homeless guy or a guy with a cool sign. That was good. That was good. You gave a little bit of life. You gave a little bit of yourself. <coughs> I'm really sorry about that. Um, but in the end, it was, it was a cheeseburger. It wasn't the cure for AIDS. It didn't end poverty. It didn't bring fresh water. Now, never underestimate the power of just one deed, but we need to have a lifetime of one deed. It mandates that we have a continual movement towards the light, light, a lifestyle of care and concern for others. So there's this process that's going to work, and it's going to be tough. Remember, there are two kinds of disputes, one at the beginning and one at the end. This is the path of righteousness, which is hard in the beginning, but it ends in peace. Through a dual process of eradicating our egos, and performing transformative sharing, we awaken our true nature and become an affinity with God, creating a life of fulfillment. You know, in Jeremiah 29, I talked about this a couple shows ago, where God says, I know my plans for you, that they are, that they are plans of, for, you know, of a hope and a future and not a calamity. This must have been hard for Israel to hear at that moment, because they're just finishing 70 years of exile and captivity, which is basically, think about that. 70 years, that's like one lifetime. Right now, if I was born at the beginning of that captivity, I'd still have 15 more years to go. I want to ask you this. How many lifetimes will we waste until we see that God is leading us up and out, Till we see that there is an active change, Till we see that, yeah, I could be a person of sharing. Many people have an exile mentality. I'm still dirty, I'm wearing my slave clothes, and 
you know, I'm just not right. I can't be that person that's sharing. This is because of some transgression in your past, some situation, some preacher's words. God has banished you. He has cast you aside. But that's not what he says. He says he has plans for you of hope and not of calamity. Part of repairing the world, we talk about Tikkun Olam, is getting the message out. God's got a plan. And that God invites you to go on this journey with him. So when you're thinking, can I be a person that tra- of transforming, sharing, you know, uh, transformational sharing? Can I be that person who does that? Can I be that one that, that gets those things done and my life really matters? I don't know. I've got these transgressions in my past. I've got these things that I've done. I've I got this dark cloud hanging over my head. God has used the most incredible collection of people to do his will. It's mind-blowing. And he can use you as well. My name is David Fournier. And again, whether you're listening either live or archive, yes, our 15-minute show went 24 minutes. I apologize. But I wanted to get the word out to you. Thank you so much for joining me. And again, we'll see you on our next episode.